Alrighty. Welcome back to Connecting the Dots. Hi, everybody. How everybody is doing? This is Joseph Brownlee, your host of Connecting the Dots with more Bible study. The two Gospels. The Gospel of the Kingdom of Heaven versus the Gospel of the Grace of God. Are they the same? Are there two Gospels that you can get saved by? Does the Scriptures, the Word of God, teach that? Do you know? Do you want to know? That's very important for souls to be saved. It's not about you and I. It's about people getting saved. Are there, or is there more than one gospel? Not according to the book of Galatians, under the teachings of the Apostle Paul, the Apostle for today, for us Gentiles and Jews, for everybody. Are there two gospels today? I'm going to prove that it's not. There's only one way to be saved. And that's under the gospel of the grace of God, which is the more simpler, easier way to be saved. Why put so much of a burden burden on yourself by trying to put yourself under the kingdom program, which ushers your, which puts yourself right back under the law? Why do that? Why are you trying to follow the Ten Commandments, something you could never do? Israel cannot even do that. Some of the greatest prophets cannot follow the law all the way. That's why they have to do sacrifices. That's why they need the, the Levite priests and all that. Why are you trying to put yourself under a program that you are? it's impossible to obey and send yourself to hell? Yes, send yourself to hell by following the law, following the kingdom program and the kingdom principles compared to just believing of what Jesus done by faith takes all the pressure and the yoke off yourself for salvation. It's like an oxymoron. Why? Why? But if that's what you want, you're going to reap the benefits of believing in that gospel that, that does not coincide for salvation for today. In the future, it will come back. But why would you want to take a chance in the tribulation period? Or if you die believing in this gospel, when you heard the right way to be saved, and you still say, no, I'm going to accept that. I don't see why, and it's easier. Man always has a problem, or they have a way of thinking we could do things ourselves. It's called ourselves. It's called religion. We got to do this. We got to go to church on time. We got to dress this way. We got to quote the scriptures just right. We got to follow this. We got to do this. We got to pay our tithes. We got to be water baptized. We got to speak in tongues before we get saved. We got to be water baptized to salvation. All that is somewhat true in the kingdom program, but not for today. Because you're talking about certain things you have to do, but you notice you want to get a lot of blessings, but you don't want to accept the curses. Does not make sense. You know it does not make sense, but you still want to be stubborn and follow that way. But I'm not here to just, you know, to pander you. I'm not here to whatever to babysit you and hold your hand. I'm just here to give you some verses. As I learn, I teach. As I teach, I learn. I always say that. I often say that, rather. As I learn, I teach. And as I teach, I learn. I used to think the same way. But at the same time, I was saying, man, none of this stuff is working. Something is not right. <clears throat> Is God word? I know God word is right and true, but why is it so confusing? Why did this verse say this and this verse say that? They contradict themselves. Why Jesus say this and the gospels, but 
Paul, this arrogant Paul come out of nowhere. Well, I never said that, but people say that. Come out of nowhere, teach you something different. And so I, uh, from what I heard, a lot of people don't like the teachers of Paul. They think he, so I heard, Les Feldick said this one time, I never heard it, but he, I don't believe he has to read it to make a fear or a lie, that many, a lot of people believe that Paul should not be in the Bible. Because that's how different his teaching is compared to Jesus' earthly ministry. And they have no idea it's Jesus that's teaching both of the programs. But it's just a new program back then through the Apostle Paul. Many people just don't get it even today that Jesus has two programs, one for Israel and one for the Gentiles and Jews. One was mainly for Israel and one is mainly to the Gentiles. Two different programs. The Gentiles was never under the covenant. The Gentiles was never under the law. Two different programs. There was no reason for God to send the 12 to the Gentiles when they was never under the law with the same gospel. Why would God send the 12 to the other nations telling them they have to believe who Jesus was and they have to follow the law and they never been under the law. Does that make any sense? It was the other way around. In order for the Gentiles back then starting in uh, uh, I think uh, Genesis 12 and I think or Genesis 17 through Abraham, they had the only way a Gentile can be saved they had to look out for Israel they had to help Israel, they had to be a proselyte, they had to uh, get circumcised Physically, they had to do certain things to enter into the covenant program. That was the only way to be saved then. That's what was going to happen before Israel reneged in that disobedience. They was, Israel was going to go out to the world, which is called the Great Commission for Israel. It's not for the body of Christ. The Great Commission supposed to went out to the nations, which is the Gentiles, and told them about the news about who Jesus was. And a lot of, and the only way they can do that is by foot and by carriages and different things like that, because there was no cars, was no internet, was no phone, so it was going to take some time back at that time to get that message out, but they never made it out of Jerusalem. They never made it out of Jerusalem, the 12 and the others, never made it out of Jerusalem because of unbelief, because of unbelief. So God ushered in a new program for the Gentiles, not under no covenant, not under no promises. They had to believe Jesus died on the cross. Jesus died. While Jesus was alive, there was the gospel of the kingdom. Israel had to believe who Jesus was, their promised king, their promised Messiah. They had to believe that. You could not take that to the Gentiles because Jesus was, uh, you couldn't take the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus then about Jesus to the Gentiles because Jesus was still alive. The Jews never got saved by believing in the death, burial, resurrection. That wasn't their salvation. They only got saved by believing who Jesus was when he was alive in continuation. They had to believe who he was. The Gentiles had to believe what Jesus did. You, you understand what I'm saying? Very important. Now, let's, let me finish here. I started off, I think, uh, John 7 and 38. Let's 
go back to John 7 and 38. Now, what I'm showing you here is proving in the scriptures themselves, not from me, the scriptures themselves that prove that Israel under this covenant, if you put yourself in their program, they had to believe who Jesus was. So therefore, they had to believe in Jesus name. And then I broke down why a lot of denominations, especially the universal Pentecostals, that believes in monotheism, they believe everything that is in Jesus' name. They get it from scriptures like this in John and also in the book of Acts, baptisms and everything. Everything, that's what that being baptized, that big argument, which it means nothing, the water baptism means nothing for salvation, neither one. Being, believing in Jesus' name, being baptized or believing in a, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, was, which was, I believe, brought out by the Catholic Church, believing when it comes to water baptism, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. None of them bring salvation, period. They didn't bring salvation then, basically. Well, let me say, in Jesus' name of being water baptized, yes, that was the requirement for Israel under the kingdom program then, in time past, under the Israel program, in time past. And yesteryear, if you want to call it that. But it means nothing today under the body of Christ program because we're not under the law. All that was under the law. All that was under the law. Okay, remember, let me say that again. Again, all that was under the law. Water baptisms, all that stuff was under the law. Sign and wonders was for Israel. Under the law that proved that Messiah was here. When Jesus came, why was he doing signs and wonders? Do you know? When Jesus came, why did he do signs and wonders and healings and stuff like that? Was it because he wanted to just come in and save the whole world, heal everybody that was sick and down and out? I'm going to surprise you. No. <laughs> no, no. And no, Jesus did not come on the earth to go around healing everybody that was sick around the world. Contrary to one church and some churches want to teach you, no. Jesus was prophesied in the book of Isaiah, maybe others was prophesied. This will be one of the signs that prove that he was their king. Also, Jesus done signs and miracles for Israel to show them how the millennium kingdom is going to be. There will not be no sick. There will not be no blind. There will not be no lame. There will not be no demon possessed. None of that will be in the kingdom. Jesus was taking care of all those things that Satan messed up. Satan deformed peoples and Satan manipulated people. Jesus was cleansing and doing all the dirty work that the enemy done for Israel to get them prepared for the millennium kingdom because the millennium kingdom will be somewhat perfect. You're not going to have sicknesses and, and blinds and people that can't walk in the millennium kingdom. He done that to give them a picture, first of all, that he was their coming king if they read their scriptures. That's why he said a lot in uh, the book of John, search the scriptures, and you will know, I'm paraphrasing, who I am by what I do. He proved to John, the blind see, the lame walk, blah, blah, blah. And the gospel is preached to who? The poor, Israel. So that's why he came to Israel, signs and wonders. He didn't go outside of Israel or Jerusalem healing anyone. You had a few Gentiles that got healed because they believed that Israel was the key. They believed that. Very few. But the, the main focus 
was on Israel to be healed, Israel to be cleansed first so they can go out and do the great commission to the Gentile nations, Gentile meaning other nations. Okay, I got that out there. If you don't understand that, you're just stubborn. You don't want to understand it. You don't want the truth. That's what Jesus came to the world for. First to heal his own. Heal his own. Who is his own? Israel. The world was going to be saved, but it had to go through Israel first. No doubt about that. It sounds complicated, but this is real meat. This is the truth. Jesus came to Israel first. That's why he done these signs and wonders and healings for a sign. Israel always seeked out of the sign. That's why God sent Moses with different type of signs and different type of things like that. To prove that there was one God. All this coming to Israel. That's why many nations was amazed. And they got to be following this certain, certain type of God because we heard about y'all. We heard about how your God moved this way and moved that way and everything. Many nations heard about Israel. Wherever Israel went, they knew there were certain signs and miracles and wonders. They knew that it was never in the nations any other nations they was into witch witchcraft and all kind of crap like people today and they saying it's jesus doing this no that's witchcraft when you see in this church that's witchcraft the cycle of semitics that's all witchcraft that's not the move of the holy spirit that's move of an evil spirit that's the camouflage in Jesus. I mean, yeah, that's the camouflage Jesus. That's like the spirit of the Antichrist. That's what's going on today. All these wonders you see in church, and some of them are false but real. They're demonic. That's why voodoo and hoodoo works today. Those false miracles do work today. They're demonic. They're evil spirits. It's not of the Holy Spirit. You must understand the difference. What well, a lot of things you see in church is really trickery and it's witchcraft. And if you're doing certain things in your home, praying over things, using certain things, you enter witchcraft. It's not the Holy Spirit. If you're speaking in a crazy, weird language and you can't control yourself, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's demonic. And I doubt if you are even saved if it's controlling you like that. But that's another. I will get into that now. I'm telling you how deep this is. You need to be aware of this church. You need to be aware of this, okay? Don't believe everything you see in church. All right. John 7 and 38. John 7 and 38 reads, He that believeth on me as the scripture has said. Remember the scriptures. What scriptures? Isaiah 58 and 11. Isaiah 58 and 11. Matter of fact, let's go to Isaiah 58 and 11. So I, I want to prove things by scriptures. Let's go to Isaiah 58 and 11. Okay? Let's see what it says. Uh, all right, Isaiah 58 and 11. Let's see what it says here. What does it say is Isaiah 58 and 11? And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul and thy drought and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden, like a spring of water. Am I in the right one? Isaiah 58 and 11. Okay, this is it. And the Lord shall guide thee continually. This is Isaiah 58 11, and satisfy thy soul in the drought. Drought means dryness. And make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose water fell not. He's just breaking down what Isaiah was saying and uh, how the Spirit is going to move through them like water. It's prophesied in Isaiah 58 11. See, the scriptures come back up itself. That's called connecting the dots. You connecting the dots. That's one of the ways, and several ways, I'm going to show you how to connect the dots. 
So when Jesus says, e, he that believeth on me, as the scripture has says, like it says in the book of Isaiah, you should know that if you go back and read those scrolls, because they didn't have no Bible then, they had different scrolls. Or, you know, what some of the prophets have said, <clears throat> out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But they had to believe on me. Believing on him means believing in his name, who he was, okay? Let's go to uh, John 8, 24. First, let's go to John 8 and 24. I said, therefore, unto you that ye shall not die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall not die in your sins. Now, listen, I want you to listen carefully. Now, the gospel of today, the gospel of grace that we're under today, the, our sins have already been forgiven. The whole world's sins has already been forgiven. So that's a contradictory. If you already know that, and if you don't know that, it would be contradictory, contradicting to what the teachings of Paul under Jesus' heavenly ministry teaches. You would read this and say, "It says in, but it says in eight John twenty four that tells you we still in our sins. Yeah, you still can, can, you still can do sins, you still can commit sins, but God is not imputing or charging you with them. But I'm not going to get into that now. Jesus said. Listen to this, proving that it is in his name, believing in him. I said, therefore, unto you that ye shall die in your sins. We cannot die in our sins. See, because the sins has not been charged against nobody. First of all, for if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. See, they can die in their sins then. Their sins have to be forgiven. It's not like today. They have to confess their sins, something we don't have to do today. That's I'll get into that what I'm meaning by that because some people are like, oh Joe, you you teaching something wrong, man. Uh, just take listen, hear me out. I'm not getting into the teachings of Paul. But I'm just you Israel people that think you the replacement theology, this is for you under the kingdom. All right. So what it's all about believing in Jesus' name. Let's go to uh 28. All right. It says, Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, lift it up. Okay, remember that was quoted when Moses lifted up the serpent? When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. First of all, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you shall know that I am he. When you believed in me, lifting me up, you shall know, believing in me. Believing who was or believing who I am then, back then in the past for you Israelites, you shall know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself. I don't do nothing on my own, but as my father. Now, this is part of the Godhead, which many people don't believe in the Trinity, which is not in the Bible. You don't believe in the word of the Trinity, but the, the concept of the triune and the Trinity is all over the Bible, especially the gospel, especially John. The Father and the Son is right here. And I'm he. That I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. In other words, whatever God the Father tells me, I speak these things. Just like we're supposed to be doing today through the teachings of the Apostle Paul that was ushered in by Jesus. Follow Paul's example. If you're not doing that, you're not saved. And if you are saved, you are teaching the wrong doctrine to others. Okay. Jesus done whatever the father told him. Okay. 29. 
And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Now, people that don't believe in a trinity, okay, let's get out to the name trinity. I agree with that because your your problems is with the trinity because you're you looking at it in a, in a wrong way. The Godhead is the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The Godhead. Let's put emphasis on the Godhead, okay, because that is the uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, but I'm not going to get into that now. All right. Let's go to uh, John 9 and 35. Now, I hope you're writing these down or just go back. John 9 and 35. All right. Believing who Jesus was, believing in his name. Okay, John 9 and 35 reads, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Do not thou believe on the Son of God? Huh. Let's go to 30. This is 9 and 30. I'd like to have a little open context here so you can get something out of it. The man answered and said to them, why wearing is it? Okay. Uh, he answered them, I have told you already. You did not hear, wherefore, would you hear? Will you hear it again? This is God poor, you know, when they asked him questions about his hearing. Will you also be his disciples? And they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spoken to him. Let me give you a picture. that This is the man that was healed. And the Pharisees and the religious people just asking them questions like they do today. This is a religious people debating a layman that was healed by Jesus. Okay. Let me just, we can go all the way back, but I'm not going to go that far. I'm trying to get through this. And then they reviled him. They pushed him. They made fun of him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We are Moses' disciple. Now, these are the Pharisees. We are disciples of Moses. We follow the law of Moses. That's comparing today. They do that today. Many Jews do that today, still today, but churches do as well. They compare Moses' teachings different than Paul's teachings, what they are, because they don't understand the different programs. Okay. We know that God spoken to Moses. As for this fellow, this so called Jesus, we know not where, whence he is. And it's all in the scriptures about the prophesied coming Messiah. They was denying the head leaders of Israel, which is not going to go to heaven, not the little flock. They was denying who Jesus was. His issue was with the, the leaders. And he had a lot of unbelief in the other poor people too, but mainly the leaders had the issue of believing Jesus was there future king and messiah that they've been waiting for. They was waiting for him too, but they wouldn't accept Jesus because he didn't come with the merit. He didn't come with the power that, you know, like he's supposed to come in the future. They was looking for that Jesus then, but they was confused because they didn't search the scriptures well. We know that God spoken to Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. Then a man that was healed by Jesus said, answering and said unto them, why here is a marvelous thing. He's been sarcastic with him now. That ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened my eyes. You don't even know who he is? And he hath opened my eyes? In other words, it's prophesied in the book of Isaiah. This is me talking. This is Jojo saying this. That when he comes, he will be opening the blind eyes, the land will walk, and the deaf will hear, and different things like that. And he hath opened my eyes, you still don't know who he is? This is what this um, person is saying. 31. Now we know that God hears not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and hath done his will, him he heareth. 
32. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? That was never heard of since the world began, since the beginning of the ages. It was never heard of this, these things was happening. Okay? 33. If this man were not of God, he could do none of this stuff or do nothing. The Pharisees of the religious leaders answered in 34, John 9 and 34. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins. And dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Now, first of all, that was a stupid thing to say. Born in sins? We all was born in sins. <laughs> Everybody was born in sins. Now, this tells you how pious and religious they were to say something stupid like that. 9 and 34, they answered and said unto him, Thou was altogether born in sins. In other words, you was born in sins. So were you all. Everybody that, since, since the curse of Adam, his disobedience, everybody was born in sins. Well, I just had to hit that because I always looked at that and said, Wow, what arrogance. In other words, we sinless. Okay, whatever. 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? That's the first thing Jesus asked him. Not, are you okay? Not, oh, I feel bad for you. He asked him this thing. Do you believe in the Son of God? A question, because it has a question mark there. Do you believe in the Son of God? I'm saying that in a paraphrased way. This is the answer. He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? He didn't know. He did not know. He was confused. Okay? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talks with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Believe who Jesus was in his name. Believe that he was the son of God. You have to believe he was their king. You have to believe that he was the Messiah. Israel had to. This is under the Israel program. Now, let's go to some more scriptures. Let's go. I've got quite a bit here. Let me spread these out. All right. I hope you're getting something out of this. I'm trying to take my time as well and trying to get through this so I can get into the teachings of the gospel for today. All right. Let's go to... uh. John 11 and 25. All right. John 11 and 25 reads, And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that, what? Believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. What was the way to be saved? What they had to do? They had to believe. He, he, anybody that was in Israel had to believe who he was. That was one of the requirements of being saved. You have to believe in his name first or who he was or believe he was the son of God. All that go together. Then the repenting and being baptized in water and all that other stuff came after that, you know. But to keep their salvation, they had to keep the law. They had to do certain conditions and stuff like that to endure to the end. All right. Let's go to uh, 11 and 26. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believeth thou this. Now he's letting them know again. See, believeth in his name. Let's go to uh, 45, 11 and 45, John 11 and 45. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, what? Believed on him, 11 45, believed on him. See, it's all about believing in Jesus for salvation, believing who he was, believing who the son of God. This is the Israel program. This is the kingdom program. I'm, let, I'm showing you these scriptures and letting you, if you got a Bible, I'm letting you see, want you to look at it yourself, but I know a lot of you probably not. 
but I'm going to throw it out there for the ones that are just going to follow up because I want you to follow up. Don't just listen to me. These are scriptures. I hope you're writing them down. It's about believing in Jesus in the under the kingdom program, which is for you so-called Israel Jews. I'm being sarcastic, but I'm just, you know, it's for Israel Jews only. So let's go to 48. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. They was worrying about them believing who Jesus was. Now, the Romans are Gentiles. That was who was running the show. They, they was running the government and everything, you know. There were separate, separate leaderships that uh, certain Jews and scribes and Pharisees could not do back then. But the Romans had the ultimate powers. They was, a, they was the superpowers then. You know, you, you had Egypt as the super, superpowers before. You had, you know, Ale, uh, uh, Alexander the Great was a superpower, but it was wrong. I think they was probably the ones that brought down the Romans and the Greeks. I'm not sure, but I believe so. But the Romans was a super superpower at that time just like the united states are the super well they're going down now i believe the united states is going to fall but the, today still the united states is still the number one superpower but back then it was roman it was rome rome fell and i believe the united states is going to fall too history repeats itself when you're arrogant and you're anti-god sooner or later you're going to come down and america will come down i have no doubt about that I'm an American, but I'm, a, I'm in the body of Christ. But America will fall. You can see signs of that now, what's going on today. All right. They just spit right in God's face with all these immoral laws and stuff they are passing. Spitting God's face. That's how it was wrong. Paganism. A lot of things that was going on in Rome and it's happening in the United States are even worse. Same kind of concept. You think God is not going to bring down America in the tribulation period? Not now because we're under grace. He given. Americans' time and other the world's time to be saved. But as Roman fell, the fall of Rome, America that I believe, you might disagree, that America is Mystery Babylon. Now he could be talking about uh in the when it comes to Book of Revelation, different wicked nations, but I believe he's talking about one nation because many nations still look up. I don't care what's going on with Russia and China, they're not gonna be the top dogs. Okay. You know, they go fall too. But I believe Russia, China, and the United States go fall, but I believe the United States is is mystery Babylon. My opinion, I could be wrong, but it's in my opinion. Okay, let's go to some more scriptures. Let's go to John twelve. And 11, because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. See, every Jew didn't come up just believing Jesus or who he was. Now, when the Bible talks about believing, believe on Jesus, that means they believe that he was a Messiah. They believe that he was their king, not because of, you know, some of them only followed him for food and signs and wonders and miracles. But the true ones believe that he was their coming Messiah. He was their coming king okay all right it is so much in the scriptures that prove the difference between the gospel of the kingdom of heaven and the gospel of the grace of god there's so much in there i can just go and search many sayings and teachings period i'm, I'm reading out the book of matthew now and uh, several times I read out of uh, the gospel because I love the teachings of the gospels. I love, you know, Jesus' sternness and his clear teaching in the gospel. Why? Because I understand it now. I can just read it now and understand who he was talking about. Talking to. That's why the whom, who, whom, where, 
and when or when and where is very important when you're reading the Bible. And the only way you can understand that if you uh, study the Bible in a way rightly divided, dispensationally. That's the only way you can get a clear understanding of the who, the whom, the when, and the where when it comes to understanding God's word. If not, you will be always confused. You will have a traditional denominational type of thought pattern that's been taught in many, many denominational churches today. Majority of denominational churches, and I'm going high here, teach another gospel. They teach the kingdom gospel, not the gospel. They call it the grace gospel. You got some churches calling themselves grace churches, but they mix the kingdom gospel with the gospel of grace. And it becomes confusing. People go to church and go home every day nervous, worrying about, oh, I got to go confess at the altar. I got to keep confessing my sins. Oh, I didn't. We set up for baptism, water baptism and stuff like that. And so many people got baptized in water that's not saved. That's not saved. Because of traditional denominational teachings. Because of traditional denominational teachings. Believe on him. Many believed on him there. I'm just reading the end of 41 and 10. And many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spoke of this man were true. This man being Jesus. And many believed on him there. Hmm. Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus is the king. Let's read uh, John 11. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment. You remember that story? And wiped his feet with her hair. She wouldn't have done all that if she did not believe that Jesus was the king. That's only worthy of a king, his feet being wiped. And Jesus allowed it to happen. Okay. She believed that he was their her coming Messiah, their king that they was waiting for to set up the kingdom, okay? And wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. The one that you love, that don't mean Jesus don't love anyone else. It just means Jesus the one that you really love, you know, because the Bible talks about the one that Jesus loved does not mean Jesus didn't love nobody else. That means that person was close to Jesus. That person stuck by Jesus. You know, it's a reason why he used the term love certain people. It does not mean that Jesus didn't love nobody else or he's saying he loved them more than others. It was just, you know, you know, in a way that I'm looking at it when it says to whom thou lovest is six. In other words, the one that that helped Jesus, the one that looked out for Jesus, the one that gave his home to Jesus. You know, Jesus remembered them very closely. That's what's really that saying. Okay, when Jesus heard that he he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, but that the Son of God might be glorified therefore. Five says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. Remember, I explained that, not saying that he didn't love nobody else because they looked out for him. They, they done the things that's supposed to be done for a king. 
You know, that's the way I'm looking at it because it contradicts us. You think that Jesus not loving nobody else or not just saying he, it, it ain't like he just saying, I love John, the one that Jesus loved. Remember those quotes in the King James? And it said, Jesus loved Lazarus. And now it's saying Jesus loved Martha and her sisters. It was what, how close they was. John stayed close to Jesus, I believe. John was always there. Even on the pictures, in some of those pictures that have Jesus, John leaned on Jesus' bosom. So it was more of a love that Jesus had for John. That John had for Jesus, excuse me. It was showing the compassion, you know, that Jesus know your love for him. In other words, Jesus knew Martha Lazarus, John really loved him, really loved him. Okay. Six, when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode, abode means he stayed two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, said he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. Eight, his disciples said unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Nine, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. The light of this world means Jesus. But if a man walk at the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. Eleven, these things said he, and after that he said unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps. Sleepeth means he's dead. He has died. But I go that I may awake him out of his sleep. Death is sleep to uh, to, uh, to God. We look at death as gone forever. But when the Bible talks about sleep, it literally just means a holding place. Now, at that time, you had paradise and stuff like that. Lazarus didn't go there yet. Now, I'm just reading, trying to read between the lines. But just remember, sleep means He's dead, but when it comes to Jesus, everybody is alive, okay? 12, then said his disciples, Lord, if thou, he sleep, he shall do well. In other words, they took it literally. They think he was talking about regular sleep. See, they took it literally. They were looking at it in a humanistic way of, 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 of being asleep, like a lot of us do today. They don't understand the concept or the deepness of the definition of what Jesus was talking about, okay? 13, how be it Jesus spake of his death, like I said. He was talking about his death. They did not. They thought he was talking about, you know, normal sleep. But they thought he had spoken of taking a rest and sleep. I know I explained that before the scripture. See, the scripture explains itself, but sometimes I go fast. But the Bible is explaining itself what they thought. So they really, you know, like I said, they thought that Jesus, uh, they, uh, Lazarus was uh, taking a regular sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, in plain English, Lazarus is dead. So he had, he knew they was children. They didn't understand. So this is how good Jesus was. He didn't use sleep no more. He just said Lazarus is dead. That's what I mean. He didn't say that's what I mean, but he just said it plainly like the Bible said. Then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. 15. I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the tent you may believe. See, belief. It's all about believing. It's always been about faith. Through the Bible, it's always about your belief. But it was different concepts of belief. You know, we today have to believe who Jesus, what, we don't have, well, we, of course we believe who Jesus was. But you, we also have to believe what Jesus did for our salvation. It's all about belief. They had to believe who he was for things to happen. We just have to believe of what he did 
on the cross after his resurrection. Okay? Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us all go that we may die with him. You know what happened when Jesus was going on the cross? Uh, uh, most of them scattered. Okay, even Peter. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Remember, he said, let us die with him. This is Thomas. Many people wrongly call him Doubting Thomas because you had a lot of doubters in the Bible in Jesus' time. So why give Thomas a Doubting Thomas name? You had many believers doubted. Peter doubted. A lot of them doubted. John the Baptist doubted. So that's the wrong name for Thomas. But who made up that name? Man. Man made up the name Doubting Thomas, not understanding the scriptures. If you go through the gospels, you see there was quite a few doubters. So that's wrong to just pick out Thomas and call him Doubting Thomas. That's man-made. That's traditional. That's not the Bible, okay? Because Peter doubted. John the Baptist doubted. A lot of them doubted. You know, a lot of unnamed was doubted. You know, we doubt today. That don't make us a doubter of Jesus. We just doubt some things. We're curious. We just don't know or we don't see. You understand what I'm saying? So that's the wrong name for Thomas. We always think, call him Doubting Thomas. 17, then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days. He was dead. He was dead for four days already. Now, Bethany was near unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. And then Martha said unto Jesus, If thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Now, is there doubt there? Yes, there's a little doubt even from Martha there. She know Jesus can raise people from the dead. She heard about it. She'd been around it or just heard about it. But she doubted if it was that they would happen to her brothers. She felt that Jesus had to be there when they wanted him to be there. See, we try to control, even in our prayers, Jesus, you need to do this. We pray this. You know, Jesus moves at his time. He's the resurrection and the life still today. 22, but I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. So she had to catch herself. She called herself. Jesus said to her, thy brother shall rise again. She thought he was talking about this. Martha said to him, I know you will rise again. I'm paraphrasing that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Now, this is not the rapture of the church. This is the resurrection of the kingdom believers, the covenant believers, not the rapture of the church. Okay. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that what? Believeth in me. See, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this. So I'm going to end it right there. What was the requirement for Israel under the kingdom program for salvation? First of all, what? Believing in Jesus, believing who he was. Now, what would they have to believe? That he was their coming Messiah, that his, he was the king that arrived. That was very important. Belief, general, generally believing that Jesus was their king, Jesus their coming Messiah, Jesus was the son of God, Jesus is God. They had to believe. It all went together when it comes to St. John. It all went together. So my point is that under the kingdom program, you had to believe who Jesus was. Period. I'm going to stop right there. 
Then I'm going to get into Paul's gospel. And you're going to see the difference of salvation, the way to be saved, the way to be saved. Remember, go back to these scriptures and remember what was the way to be saved back then under the kingdom program. You had to be saved by believing who Jesus was, believing in his name. What was the requirements following that? Baptism and repent. Change your mind. That's first believing in Jesus. Repent of your ways. Be baptized in water for what? The remission of your sins under the National Israel programs. And then later you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which happened in Acts 2 <clears throat> with 120 and the day of Pentecost. That was the continuation of the kingdom program, not the beginning of the church like some denominations teach. Saying Acts 2, even the United Pentecostals and other Pentecostals and other denominations teach that the church started in Acts 2. No, it always has been a church. Even before then, you had the church in the wilderness under Moses. That was the church. You had the kingdom church on what Peter said on this rock. I will build my church. Peter is not the rock, but on this sand, Jesus is always the rock. Peter was the little rock when you get into the Greek meaning and stuff like that. But Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the stone. When you hear those type of terms, it's talking about Jesus, the Messiah, the King. On this rock, I will build my church. I will build my assembly. I will build my ecclesia. You understand what I'm saying? So the church is a continuation. When it falls into Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, it's still the kingdom church. It's still the law church. It's not the body of Christ under grace. That did not start until what? So many years later, you know, in Acts 9 through the Apostle Paul, the beginning of it anyway. Because Paul started going to the Jewish temples first to teach them who Jesus was, not what Jesus did, because that was revealed to him later and later and later. Uh, over his 25 years, Jesus kept revealing secrets, mysteries to him that was never told to nobody else in the Bible. That's why the Apostle Paul's teachings are different than Jesus' earthly ministry in the 12, because they're supposed to be, because it's not under the law no more. It's not under the covenant program. They're not under the kingdom program anymore. They're in the grace program for Gentiles. That's plain and simple, folks. Okay, that's plain and simple. And I'm going to prove it by reading the different lingo and the different language out of the teachings of Paul. And it's just this little bit that you need. If you ain't getting it, you know, I can understand that it's not hard. But if you're not accepting it, because it's because you're stuck in your traditional denominational way. That's it. There is two programs. Majority of the church are teaching out of the wrong program or they're just putting Paul's teachings and the 12 and Peter's teachings all together. When you read the book of James, let's go there now. Okay, I'm going to end it. Let's go to James because of my time constraints. Then the next one I will be getting into the teachings of our apostle, the apostle Paul. Let's, when you read Hebrews, Hebrews is for 
Israel, preparing them for the tribulation period. It's not for the body of Christ. I don't know who wrote Hebrews. The Bible does not say. Now, my Bible says the epistle of Paul, the apostle to the Hebrews. You have some people, even grace teachers, believe that Paul wrote Hebrews. I don't know. He could have. I don't know. But it does, it's not proven who wrote Hebrews. But whoever wrote Hebrews, it was wrote to who? Hebrews. That's why it's called Hebrews. You ever figure that out? It's not the body of Christ. It's Hebrews. Hebrews is who? The old Jews. Preparing them for the tribulation period. Now, the book of James. Let's go to the book of James. I'm just going to read the beginning. All right. Now. Now, the general epistle of James. Let's listen to the beginning. James, a servant of God and the Lord of Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Now, who is he talking to? Remember I talk about the who, whom, where, and when? Read it again. James, a servant of God and the Lord of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Who are the twelve? Israel. So the beginning already gives you the answer who James is talking about. He's talking to Israel, not the church, not the body of Christ. He's talking to Israel. You're not Israel. You're not a Jew. He's talking to the kingdom church, talking about the end times, talking about what they must prepare for, talking about how the millennium kingdom is going to be, talking about getting themselves prepared. He's talking to Israel, okay? The 12 tribes is not the body of Christ. Nowhere, no form. It's Israel under the kingdom program. Let's go to Peter. Let's go to Peter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. To what? And then to elect, according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father through sanctification of the Spirit, and to obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Now, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Who is he talking about? He's talking about the Jews that's been scattered. Remember the day of Pentecost when they heard the different languages? Those were Jews living in those countries. So he's talking to those Jews, not the body of Christ. Let's see Second Peter, not the body of Christ. Okay. All right, let me see here. I'm going to stop there because I've got to do some more searching. But James, Hebrews, is for Hebrews. James is for the Jews and Hebrews. First and second Peter is for the Hebrews. First and second and third John is for Israel. The revelation of John is to Israel. Has nothing to do with the body of Christ, the church. You might not say, oh, Joe, I disagree. It's okay. Let's let the scriptures prove themselves, okay? And I'm going to do that. God bless you all. This is Joseph Brownlee and Connecting the Dots. Until next time, let's get more into verse-by-verse -verse teaching on the difference between the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, which is for Israel, under the twelve, with their leaders, Peter, James, and John, or James, Peter, and John, Jesus' earthly ministry, compare it into the gospel of the grace of God, which is under one apostle, the apostle Paul, to the Gentiles, which was a mystery hidden in God. Okay? 
a mystery hidden in God. Then after that, I get through pause and I'm going to give you two different types of, do I need to go there now? Do I have time? All right, let's go to, uh, oh, I can't help it. And here we have time running out. Let's go to Acts 2 and 38. Now, reason I'm going here, and I'm going to hit this again. Acts 2 and 38. Now, what I'm doing now, uh, let me see if I'm in the right way. This is here, repeat, baptize everyone in the name of Jesus was that 238? Oh, I forget. Uh, where was that at? I'm still looking. I should have had these wrote down. Is it 21? Ew. I got to really look because I don't want to get no one wrong scriptures here. Bear with me. That's 328? I think it's 321. Okay, yeah, I was a 3 and 21. I'm sorry. Let's go to 3 and 21. All right. Now, 3 and 20. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Who was you? You, Israel. Okay. Whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution, future, of all things that God has spoken. Listen closely. By the mouth of all his holy prophets promised in the past since the world began. Whom the heaven must receive until the time of restitution. This is an Israel program of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. And this is Acts 3 and 21. These things that are happening, even Jesus coming, Jesus' resurrection, and all the things that's happening about the kingdom, God spoke about these things through his holy prophets, the past prophets. Since the world began. In other words, it was foretold. This is all in the scriptures. You can find this in, a, in, a, in Isaiah, Ezekiel, you know, Malachi, and um, uh, the, um, the major minor prophets, and, you know, in the past, in the scriptures, in, a, in time past, and in the Old Testament. All these things about Jesus coming and <clears throat> his Messiah and setting up the kingdom was foretold since the world began. I mean, it was already written down, it was prophesied. Since the world began. Now let's go to Acts 16 and 25. All in the same book. This is the Apostle Paul. Now one was foretold. The coming of Jesus. The setting up of the kingdom. The Messiah was foretold. It was prophesied. Since the world began. It was known that these things were supposed to happen. Let's listen to Paul. <clears throat> All right. Let's go to 25. <laughs> Am I on the right one? Ugh. Ooh. 16 and uh, 16 and 25. Oh. All right. All right. Pretty good singing and something there with the great. I don't know. What is that? Oh, where did I find this at? I I get confused and but I will find it. This is all about Bible study, y'all. You got to, sometimes you, you're reading things and 25. 
Okay, my time has ran out, but I will get back to you. I'm tired of my time has ran out. Sorry. I'll be back. God bless you all. This is Joseph Brownlee, Connecting the Dots.